0: We will read from the book of Acts chapter 1. Amen. Verse 3. What a powerful touch of God tonight. Has it been worth the trip? Aren't you glad he came to church tonight? Amen. To whom also he showed himself alive. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to show yourself alive. After his passion. It appears that passion brings proof that you have life. Everybody shout passion. He showed himself alive after his passion. By many Infallible proofs. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. We can never lose passion. You can't buy it. You really can't teach it. You've just got to get a hold of it. Only from God. What are you passionate about tonight? What is it that drives you? What is it you lay in bed at night and think about? It? Makes you want to get up in the morning. What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that really matters to you? This morning I taught on an even balance. Job said I want, I want to be measured on an even balance. So God can see my integrity. Can I tell you today... There's a whole lot of things that we do that we like. But we ought to be in love with the passion of Christ. We got to fall in love with what God is passionate about. And for a few moments, if we could somehow put our ear to the heart of God and hear what His heart is beating. You know what I believe it would be? Ministry. So. The kingdom. How many want to be passionate about what God is passionate about? Lift your hands and I want you to ask God to give you passion for the things of the kingdom. Would you do do that? God, I'm asking you, God, to give me passion for the things of the kingdom. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Well, I was driving this past week in the state of Colorado, some of the most beautiful landscapes I'd ever seen before, flowing rivers and brooks through majestic mountains with snow on the peak, In certain places you'd look, it seemed like the sky was nearly touching heaven. And somewhere there would be a house, landscape yard. There was proof there was life there. One of the corners that we came around and Sawyer and I spent a little time together was saying it'd be nice to live here and see that and thinking about the view and and what is there? But one corner we came around and looking at different houses and landscapes and places where people live, we came to one spot and I said, Sorry, do you want a picture of that house? It was a picture of what it used to be. An old log home with no windows and an old stovepipe coming out of the top of that rusty roof, and you could tell that there was no longer any life there. Somebody had hewn out those logs and probably with their wife and, and uh, uh, having a piece of land and a dream that they began to say this is where the house is going to be and that's going to be the view and this is where we're going to live and here's where the garden spot's going to be and this is the way it's going to be. Our kids can run and play in the field and play in the stream and somewhere now what was alive is now Dead. Nobody there. No life. What I'm preaching to you today is we cannot let passions that God put in us some 20 and 30 years ago, passions where you laid in bed at night dreaming of making a difference in a soul, dreaming of making a difference in a life, you cannot, no matter what the devil does, allow your dreams and your passions to die. You've got to get a hold of the call of God. His divine purpose for your life. And do not let it die. Somebody shout, don't let the dream die. Amen. When I was in Atlanta, uh, probably 17 years ago, near around this time, I was preaching in that area as an evangelist. I woke up one morning. and When I woke up, I woke up with a vision. And God showed me a church. In that church, there was a vision. I saw an anchor in front of the building of a church. A large anchor. On the anchor, it said, the anchor church. Around that building, looking from almost a topographical view, I saw other buildings around that building that represented ministries of that church. I was just an evangelist. Had nowhere, didn't know where I'd end up, didn't know where my ministry would be. All I cared about was just fulfilling the will of God and whatever he wanted me to do. I didn't know then that I would land in Zanesville, become the pastor here and now of of uh been here now over 15 years. I didn't know then all I had was a vision. And inside that vision came from a passion. I want you to understand that if God gives you a passion, he's gonna give you a vision. He's gonna give you clarity. It'll keep you awake at night. I didn't know where I'd end up. I knew it was gonna have something to do with the kingdom of God. Can I tell you, everything else is gonna fall away, but the kingdom of God's gonna have eternal rewards. Do you believe that? And what I wanna preach to you tonight, I hope that your life, that all it accounts for isn't some house that somebody else is gonna live in, is a car that somebody else is gonna drive, leave money that somebody else is gonna spend, Solomon said when I look over the earth he said it's all vanity it's all vexation of spirit he said I built orchards I dug ponds he said I did all these things he said but somebody else is going to enjoy it when I die and go on I hope that what you build isn't just something that somebody else can live in. I hope that you have fruits of a passion that causes people to resurrect from this world into that world. That people could look back and say, I once was lost until they came in my life. I was broken until I passed them. I was a mess until that person came in my life. I hope that what you're passionate about isn't some metal trophy that will collect dust in a corner somewhere. hope it's more than a sign to baseball. A jersey that has a representation or a video clip of a touchdown that you scored, young men. I hope, young ladies, it's more than just a degree that you got in your office. hope it's more than just something that represents the temporal world that we're living in. You've got to get a hold of something that changes the lives of people. That makes a difference not only in your generation. It was biblical truth that if you were a priest that could not have sons, then you were not allowed to be a priest. If a priest could not reproduce, he was not allowed to be a priest in the kingdom. Why? Because what use is it for your ministry to die when you die? Everything that God ever does And take your hands like this, When God gives you a vision and he gives you a passion, it's going to be longer than your lifetime. It's going to be bigger than you because it's supposed to last bigger than you or longer than you. What I'm preaching to you today is God wants to give us a fresh vision in this church. That's bigger than Zanesville. That's bigger than just the community. God has something special for each of us. And I hope it's not just making money, nice vacations, buying good clothes and whatever the common American does. I hope in the passion that keeps you awake at night is to see a lost sinner saved, is to see a person broken delivered. Come on, is to see a person strung out become a Sunday school teacher that ought to get in your spirit to make a difference in a life today. How did they know it was him? Because he showed himself alive after his passion. Somebody shout passion. If you would turn with me to the book of James tonight. The book of James chapter five talks about fervency, fervent prayer. Everybody shout fervent prayer. Bible says in James and five, it says verse 13, Is any among you afflicted? I mean, no, we should have afflicted people among us. We ought to have afflicted people among us. We ought to have sick people near us. I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, if everybody in your church is saved, probably or looks saved, then probably the church isn't saved. We ought to have sinners among us. We ought to have alcoholics in the church building. There should be drug addicts attending church. There ought to be people with nicotine addictions in this building. There ought to be services where we're sweeping up out by the carports, cigarette buds. Why? Because people in a world where there's no hope, they ought to be able to find hope at the house of God. They shouldn't feel judged. They shouldn't feel rejected. They ought to feel moved by the compassion of the people of God. Let me tell you what backsliders don't come back sooner. Is The reason is because they feel like they're no longer worthy to be a part. When they get so broken, they say, I'll settle down to no longer be the part of the family. I'll be a servant. That's when they come back. It shouldn't be that way. It ought to be that there is a sound that goes up from this church because everybody in this room believes. The spirit is saying, come. And also the bride of the church is saying, come. There ought to be in the heart of every backslider that says, I could go home if I wanted to, to the anchor. They wouldn't judge me. They would love me because they're full of life. They're full of love. They're full of compassion. Amen. Drug addicts shouldn't feel rejected to go to the house of God. I was on a ski lift one time trying to learn how to snow, snowboard when I was a, probably in my early 20s. I ain't ever been so sore as I was after snowboarding, I'm going to tell you right now. I couldn't get out of bed by myself. Had to reach back and lift my head up like that. You ain't ever been sore to you snowboard. I'm just going to tell you right now. I broke a rib one time snowboarding. I hadn't been back. I had to preach the next day. People come up. I couldn't even pray with them with my right hand. I had to lay hands on my my, my left one. I was on a ski lift with a guy. I asked him, "You know, when you're on a ski lift, they can't go anywhere. <laughs> it's like being on an airplane. Where are they going to go? Especially when the seatbelt sign's on. It's a great time to preach." It's like jail ministry. It's captive audience. Start telling, hey, my name's Aaron. I said, go to church anywhere? He said, I went, but they said I wasn't good enough. I said, every church isn't that way. There shouldn't be the concept that people have to get good before they can come to church. I'm not going to church because I'm good. I'm going to church because he's good, and the people of God—they're good. They want me to be there. We must make our lifestyle attainable. I'm preaching this morning about a balanced relationship with God, being so holy that you can't be around unholy people. That you get around them if they're doing something, you know, you need to put that out. You need to put that away. You need, you know. We, we, we can't be so holy that can't, people can't be them. But it doesn't mean we're supposed to compromise and do what they do. You don't become them to win them. You find common ground that's righteous. Isn't that right? I went bike riding with a guy one time because I was trying to win him to the Lord. I did. I went bike riding with the guy. I was Man, I kept inviting the church talking to him about it. He sat beside me in, I think it was Calculus 3 in college. He sat beside me and I talked to him, invited him to church, and finally we built a relationship. I was trying to get him to come to church, and he said, hey, I do mountain bike riding. You want to go mountain bike riding with me? I thought, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I said, sure, I'll go mountain bike riding with you. Boy, we got down to that hill. We had to push our bike, like, I don't know how many miles up a hill. I was thinking, you better not go to hell. <laughs> 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 I was trying to win this guy to the Lord hey, amen I taught him a Bible study and he got baptized in Jesus name it was worth the 15 mile bike ride we did in the mountains you know what caused me to push that bike up a hill it was passion to reach somebody that's never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ it was passion you can't turn passion off and turn it on you don't just you don't just one day you you, you just say well I'm not going to be a soul winner today. Soul winning is not something we do. Soul winning is who we are. I don't go on vacation and not be a soul winner. It's just who we are. It's a who, not a what. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, holiness is not something we do. He said, be ye holy as I am holy. If you can be holy at the church, but you can't be holy on vacation, you're a what and not a who. But if you get the who on the inside, it'll make you want to be holy. It'll make you want to be right no matter what anybody else is doing. Somebody shout, it's a who and not a what. He said, you're the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. You know what he was saying? I'm going to put something in you that I'm going to let everybody see. That's what's amazing. If you would look on the map coming from Europe to Asia down to Africa, there's a little spot on the map. A little spot on the map called Israel. It's a really small circle of land. And they're still fighting over it. Why in the world would they fight over a little circle just east of the Mediterranean? I'm going to tell you why. Because you could access three continents through one city. It was the major thoroughfare. I preached a while back on strategic location. My, 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 I feel like preaching. And God allowed Israel to become a gea graphical location where people from Europe to go to Asia would have to go through Israel. And they wanted to go from Asia to Africa. They had to go through Israel. So what God did, he took his people and he placed them at the intersection of the whole world. You know why? Because he wanted the whole world to see his glory in his people. I'm just going to put it this way. He didn't put you on the job to be like everybody else. He put you on the job to be holy so they could see the glory of God in your life. You're not there by accident. You've been strategically located. Everybody take your balance beam with you. Do like this. Would you do that? You have to be careful that you don't let the job become your passion. Bible says in James five, I'll read in a minute. Says like passions, you got to make sure that you like your job, but you love your calling. Amen. Amen. Be seated a moment. You know why people don't think about the rapture because they love their life. They got it good, brother. Right? They like their home. They like their health. They like the car. They like their family. Excuse me. They love their home. They love their car. They love their family. They love their hobbies. You know what's too good? I don't want God to come. I got it too good. If we're not careful, we'll fall in love with a corruptible world when there's people around us that are miserable. About things that somebody else will have. I come to course correct tonight because there's nothing wrong with having nice things as long as those nice things don't have you. As long as they don't pull you away from what God's called you to do. Can I remind you that Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. What was he saying? What was he saying? I'm not going to let anything in this world take me away from what I'm called to do. The only thing you'll ever find that Jesus owned was the garment on his back and they gambled for it at the foot of the cross. What was he saying? He was saying, he was saying you got to be careful not to fall in love with things that are only temporary. Can I ask you today, what is your passion? I have watched people walk away from ministry because they got unbalanced. They started started swinging toward toward things. I know a buddy of mine, he's a a great golfer, but he became so passionate about golfing that you know what he stopped doing? He he was preaching, but he wasn't winning souls. And God convicted him at a camp meeting. And he said, I am not going to play one game of golf until I baptize 150 people in Jesus' name. You know what he was doing? He was course correcting his passions. You know what? He started going back to prayer, going back to his ministry, started visiting the roots and what was a fun hobby that he had fallen in love with. He just pushed it aside for a period of time until he baptized 150 people in Jesus' name. Then he took his boy golfing. What am I saying to you? We cannot waste time on things that do not matter. I'm not saying you can't golf. I'm not saying you can't have nice things, but you do not let those things dictate the course of where you're going. God has given you a calling to make a difference in a soul. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's what we do. We reach people. Somebody shout! We've got to reach people. Be seated. And before you complain about your mashed potatoes not being 92 degrees, and your and your and your Coke at the at the restaurant having uh, uh, 14 uh, cubes of ice. you know what I'm talking about. I ain't gonna tip her. What if you've been strategically located to get a bad meal because somebody had a bad day in a dark hour and you're the light? Well, it's my day. I like a good meal. We all like a good meal. But not at the expense of offending one of the little sheep that he gave his life for. I'm going to tip them good no matter how good a service I get. Because I represent something much bigger than me. It's called eternity. It's called Calvary. Amen. Amen. Be good to people no matter when they're bad to you. I watched somebody ring. I'm meddling now. I med I'm meddling now. I watched a, somebody one time ring a waitress. She was probably ten months pregnant. Boy, she was trying to serve food like this. And I watched some guy light into her. I felt it starting my feet. You know what I'm saying? Ringed her. Till they had to let her go home. She's crying so hard because she didn't have something on time. When you're so blessed you expect to be served, you're out of balance. God didn't call us to be served. He called us to serve. Come on. There's going to be an epic harvest in this region And it's going to come through servitude when it's not about what you can get out of the deal. But how can I give? How can I serve? How can I be a blessing? How can I help? No matter somebody walks on me, it doesn't matter. I want to be good to my enemies. I'll get them a drink of water. But it might be me that gives them the opportunity. (laughs) Somebody shout Amen. Your bad days are your greatest opportunities for your greatest life. When everything's going wrong, people are watching. Because when they see what you got and how good you're living, they expect you to go, you know. I speak about Job this morning, but when things go wrong, people are watching how you respond. When things don't go your way, then they'll know if you're real or not or just faking. Let me tell you, you're the light. The greatest gospel ever preached is not from a pulpit it's from a life that people watch the bible says that you are an epistle everybody shout epistle what that means is the word of God or a letter that is read of all men your actions speak much louder than your preaching I've seen people preach on jobs and never win a soul one guy, one guy told me one time, he said, I don't know why this, this guy keeps witnessing everybody. He won't even do his work. People aren't going to listen to a guy that doesn't do his job. People are watching you. You be early and leave late. You leave early from work and you're stealing from the company. You think anybody's going to want to go to church with you? Well, it's tight in here now. They see you cheating, not doing right. They, they, they're, they're watching your response. And what you got to understand, Paul said it this way. He said, if you eat meat and offend your brother. What he's talking about, if you would eat meat, who cares? There's no idols. Eat it. But if you see somebody come out of idolatry and they see you eating meat from an idol, served to idols, and it causes them to slip in their faith, he said, God... God is going to be offended at you. What was he saying in principle? Your actions impact others. Well, God knows my heart. But the Bible says, man doesn't see the way the Lord sees so The Lord doesn't see the way man. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. He knows your heart, but people are watching the outside action. Live a life that they say, I want what he has. Live a life that says, man, they went through that, but I want what she's got. You know what they ought to see? Jesus flowing through you. I've never read it. Someone said, and I believe it, they said Paul was so influential. They, when he was in jail, they had to change his guards every 15 minutes, or he would convert them. Why wow. passion. History says that in Acts 12, when uh, Agrippa executed James, you young people listening to me, when Agrippa executed James, was getting ready to do it to Simon Peter because he saw that it pleased the Jews, history says that James's faith was so strong that his executor got on his knees beside him, gave his life to God, and said, I want to die as this man dies faith in low moments faith on the job righteousness at all times why because there's eyes that are watching me and the bible says when they saw him he showed himself alive after his passion If you're just living holy because of some church rules, it's legalism. But if you got a relationship where you got holiness on the inside, that you want to separate from some things. There's some things you don't watch. Some things you don't listen to because you want to please God. That's not a what. That's a who that says, I want to be like him. I want to please him. I want to do, come on, am I preaching to anybody right now? I want to be holy as he is holy. Come on, stand to your feet if you will. Somebody shout holy. holy. I'm not going to talk like him, act like him, be like him. I'm going to tell you what I am going to be. I want to act like him, talk like him, and be like him. Best compliment you could ever give. Somebody would say, when I think of Christianity, I think of you. Controlled in our actions. Sometimes the greatest witness you have is keeping your mouth shut. I heard a preacher preach in West Virginia at a youth rally one night. The Bible says he went before his shears dumb and he opened not his mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, keep your mouth shut. So you're like, I've been waiting to say that. Felt so good. Somebody turn around about to tell somebody I felt so good, I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> Sometimes you're gonna feel like the sheep going before the slaughter. What do you do when you feel like you're gonna be the sheep before the slaughter? Keep your mouth shut. Because you know the Lord's directing your path. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me through paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. I'm his sheep. I'm his sheep. Come on. I'm of his pasture. Do you believe that today? I'm passionate about following him. He says in James 5, how many want to be a light to our community? What are you doing to be a light in the community? How can you be a light in the community if you're only in your home and in the church? See, holiness is not isolation. It's insulation. It's not isolation. Jesus spent time with disciples and sinners. How many know that? Everybody shout sinners. Well, I don't know if we ought to let them come to church. They're a sinner. Ooh. In the world. Man, if we let sinners come to church, you know, eh? They might. They might. What, what, what are you talking about? Are we that weak? We don't have enough power to influence sinners. We're gonna be influenced by sinners. Are you serious? It doesn't mean you go out to the bar because you're so powerful. You gotta control the eye environment where you get. don't let your good be evil spoken of. But what I'm saying is, when people are coming around you, you ought to be the influencer. Salt is never influenced, it's always the influencer. Darkness never pierces the light, the light always pierces the darkness. So when you're praying over your kids and sending them to school, Send them in the name of Jesus and plead the blood of Jesus over them because there's enough light in the child to influence. Is any sick among you? Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. James 5.14, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. What it's saying is if there's any broken let them get healed at church and let them pray over him who the sick anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord everybody shout and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and if he hath committed sins if the sick has committed sins and they come and pray the prayer of faith they shall be forgiven him a sinner can come in who is sick. I watched a lady stand right here. Never seen her before. She came up to the altar. I went up to her and I said, Ma'am, what do you need God to do for you?" She said, I have a blockage in my bowel. I'm scheduled for surgery on Wednesday. I said, the Bible says to pray the prayer of faith. Only one time that is ever said. It's one word. Only time that word prayer is used. It means a prayer with a vow. I said, if God heals you, will you serve and rest of your life? She said, yes. I reached up to pray for her healing and she started speaking in other tongues and God healed her and she didn't have to have surgery because God is a miracle worker. It's a place where the sick can come. How many believe that? How many believe the church is a place where the sinner can come? He said, confess your faults one to another and pray for, pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent Prayer. Oh, God, would you please touch this person? No, I've seen passionless prayer. I've seen routine prayer. I'm talking about fervent prayer. Oh, God. Come on, y'all just want a sermon or you want passionate preaching? Come on, you just want a soloist or you want passionate singing? How many appreciate that choir that we have Sunday after Sunday? Elias was a man subject to what? Like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly. It appears to me that like passions calls earnest prayers. And if you're not praying earnestly, you've lost your passion. sounds to me like prayer and passion are fused together can I say to this congregation I come to a close that when the move of the spirit decreases in your life entertainment will increase the level of entertainment going up in your life is a sign of of the move of God's spirit going down I preached about balance. I'm not saying you can't have any entertainment. But when you can spend five hours of video games, watching movies, Instagram, and you shouldn't have Snapchat. I'm just telling you, you shouldn't have it. Probably made some people mad, but I got the mic. Amen. I don't think you should have it. And you, you, you think about it you will spend time where you're passionate where's your time and if you can't Bible quiz because it's too many hours but you can play five hours of video games a day your passion is in the wrong thing we gotta put him first how many's ever got out of balance? I promise you, watch this, it always works. Take a day and fast. Start your day of prayer in the morning. Read your Bible before you go to bed at night. Let it be the last thing you do. Pray until you get in. Somebody say, How long should you pray? Pray till you want to. Pray till you end prayer. Watch what happens. You'll become so full of Him, passion will pour off. You'll be like, Brother Gladman over there. Man, I just want to do something for God. Pastor, can I do outreach on Saturday? Yeah. He said, Can I do outreach? I said, Yes, you can. Man, I just want to win a soul. I watched Brother Chuck, and Sister Tina down here at the church working. He's in the jails on Saturdays, seeing all kinds of people get the Holy Ghost. Why? Passion. But before he got passionate win a soul, he got passionate about God, passionate about a Bible, passionate about prayer. How many want to like passions? How many want to make a difference? As I was sitting there before, just a little bit ago, I felt like God was speaking to my spirit for some of you and say, what's standing between you and your purpose? God put a fast, go to because of times every year, God would deal with me about an extended fast. You know, it's a great thing to commit to a fast until the Spirit of God moves, lifts. You can, you can see smell restaurants before you ever see them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, I'm going to do this long fast. Oh, God, I'm going to do it. The Spirit of God lifts. His stomach starts screaming, I'm hungry. Well, I'll do it next month. I'm going to start at the beginning of the month. It's like diets on Mondays. Two and a half years delay. And Greg Godwin preaching in this church, watched standing between this church and the next revival, and I sat there. I thought, what if it's a fast? It's an altar that God wants me to build on an extended fast. That night, I thought, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. I walked out of this room, went to that restaurant, a steak and shake. They ordered, and I didn't eat. Drank water that night. The longest fast I'd ever done. Why? Passion. Said, I'd rather see people get the Holy Ghost and enjoy the pleasure of food for a period of time. Passion! For the Alec, come here. Run on down here, Pastor. Come here, Ethan. God's touching you. Lift your hands, at Ethan, as you come down. <laughs> what if you're strategically located in Athens? because there's a missionary going to be in your class he just doesn't know it yet but when he was being formed in his mama's belly God had a country that he was going to send him to and he just happened to put you beside him in a lab don't go there it's not even in your mind but don't go there to be like them you go there for them to become like you Passion. Passion. Come and sing that song. In this room, there's a call of God. There's a call of God. How many feel that? We're in a church. I don't, I don't, it's, it's almost 730. I don't feel like anybody's wanting to go home. I do feel like there's some people wanting to get a hold of God tonight. Any of you young people want to be passionate about something? What do you cry about? What do you cry about? When's the last time you wept over a soul? I can't talk about ministry and not weep. And the day you can't weep over ministry, you've got to do something in the heart. Say, God, I'm out of balance. The full soul loatheth the honeycomb. What does that mean? It means if you're full of carnality, you won't love spiritual things. Cindy's got mad at me many times because I started eating out of the cupboard while she was cooking dinner. Aaron, don't eat that. I'm cooking. Remind me of my mom. Aaron, you put that bag of potato chips down, she'd say. My mom would. My grandma. Aaron, get your hand out of the cookie jar. Dinner's in a half hour. What's it saying? Because a full soul loatheth the honeycomb. means things that are good you won't want because you're full of something else. You see, when Jesus sent his Come here, Mike. Run down here with me. Mike Durant. Yeah, buddy. He and I do Bible studies on Thursdays when we can get our schedule together. One of the finest Christians I've ever met. I love Mike. He's our homeschool basketball coach, too. Golf pro, the country club for nearly 30 years Mike been baptized in Jesus name filled with the Holy Ghost isn't that awesome now you can't talk to Mike about the gospel and winning souls that he doesn't start crying and say I got a goal and that's to get somebody that anchor to hear the truth I just want to lead somebody to Jesus that didn't come from the Durant family the same way with me and brother Nehemiah it didn't come from our pedigree it came from God Jesus sent his disciples grocery shopping. Brother Brian, come down here and stand. Sister Lisa, come with him. I saw you get out of your seat praying for a miracle. Nothing more that he wants than a win of soul right now. Am I right or wrong? God heard that prayer. Be holy. God's going to put convictions in your heart that's going to be tailored to you. You feel that coming on you, don't you? That's anointing of God. Watch. Watch. Jesus went to Samaria. He sat on a well where he knew there was going to be a woman coming that his disciples wouldn't approve of. So he sent them grocery shopping to get food. Watch the, watch the parallel. They come back with a bag of groceries. He had been ministering to the woman at the well until she said, Give me the drink of this well. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. How many want to minister to somebody and they want what you're talking about? Come on, how many want to have that type of influence and passion? You can. You can. I found out yesterday one of the guides at the hunting camp from Colorado that we were sitting around a table and just started talking. God started moving. Spirit of prophecy come over me when I was sitting at a table in Colorado. Not because of a what, but a who. One of them started praying. Come find out that God repented and gave his life to the Lord in Colorado, in the mountains. It's not something we do, it's who we are. And Jesus made a statement. When they come back with groceries, come here, Brother Mealy. They come back with bags of groceries. And they said, here, Lord, eat. He said, I eat meat that you know not of. You know what he's talking about? Ministering to lost people. And some of you can't weep over a soul because you're so full of groceries of this word but he said let me tell you something that'll satisfy like nothing else is when you lead somebody to the Lord that didn't know God when your life influences the broken and they're saved I'm telling you there's nothing in the world that compares to leading somebody from darkness into light how many believe what I'm saying sick into healed broken into delivered how many believe God can do that how many want God to do it through you hallelujah hallelujah Come here, brother. You scared oh, run down here with Pastor. Come with your hands raised. Hallelujah. God's gonna re- renew a fire in you. Go ahead. Let your voice start praying. God's gonna put a new a renewed fire, a passion He gave you in your infancy of your new birth experience. Go ahead. He's going to let a calmness come over your spirit. Go ahead, Brother Scaredo. Go ahead, Brother Scaredo. If you're here and you feel like you've been loathing the honeycomb, you've had a calling, but your passion has been light, so I want you to come. I've been there, trust me. You, it, the passion has, has waned. You're not as passionate as you used to be. You want a rekindled fire in your spirit. Come on. Come on, that's it. Come on, there's hundreds right now that are saying, I want to be passionate. You'll never be more satisfied than when you're passionate about the things of the kingdom. I don't want to loathe soul winning. I don't want to loathe reaching the lost. As he starts singing, you're going to feel something. I want you to tell God, I'm sorry I've been full of media. I'm sorry I've been full of me, hobbies, and passions that I should have liked instead of loved. Go ahead, come on. I want you to tell the Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry for not ministering to the lost. Ministering to the broken. Oh, forgive me, oh God. I want to be passionate about winning lost people. I want to be passionate. I need your glory. Come on, all over the building. Would you reach out to God? I want your glory. I want your glory.